Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, amen, amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, would you please take them out and go to the Old Testament book of the book of Psalms, Psalm 119. Go to Psalm 119. It's the middle chapter in the book of Psalms, in the middle of our book, uh, the Bible, and go to uh, the chapter, the verses 97 through verses 104. If you'll turn there with me, please. And as you're turning, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you for who you are. We thank you. We thank you that you are alive and well. We thank you that you are here in our midst. And Father, I pray, I pray, Father, that you would speak to us today. I pray, Almighty God, that your word would speak and that our hearts would be ready to hear. I pray, Father, that you would work in our lives now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Men. Psalm 119, verses 97 through 104. Several years ago, I came across an illustration that helped me tremendously in my walk with Christ. Um, I, I'm not really sure who, who invented this illustration. I, I don't know who was the first one uh, to create it, but, but I know that I came across this illustration, and it was and I found it in the works of a man by the name of Bill Bright. How many of you are familiar with the name Bill Bright? One of you. Great. You're going to learn something new this morning. Well, Bill Bright was the founder of um, one of the largest Christian ministries called Campus Crusades for Christ. It is now called Crew for short. Uh, but in 1951, Bill Bright felt led by the Lord uh, to to completely obey the Great Commission to go into all the world to make disciples of, of all the nations. And so in 1951, Bill and his wife started a college ministry on the campus of UCLA. It's kind of crazy that something good could come out of California, isn't it? <laughs> but on the campus of UCLA, Bill Bright and his wife, they started this college ministry and it grew and it grew and it grew and it grew. And Bill was teaching the college students the importance of God's word, how to love God's word and how, do we, how we put God's word into our life and how that will make a complete difference. And he, and he used an illustration. And some of you may be familiar with this illustration because the illustration looks just like this. It's a train illustration. How many of you have seen this illustration before? Good, two of you. That's fantastic. This is going to be great. It's going to be a good Sunday. Well, in this illustration, Bill Bright described the train. And he said that the train, you can see, you have the locomotive, which is facts. Then you have another car, which is faith. And you have the caboose, which is or are the feelings. And in the diagram, Bill Bright describes God's word this way. That as a believer in Christ Jesus... We are driven by facts, which is God's word is true and his word is authoritative. Amen? And then by faith, we follow behind the facts. And then when we follow the facts with our faith, then the caboose, the feelings, will fall right in line. And this illustration teaches us that the train will run or will not run without the caboose. Meaning this. The caboose never pulls the train. Are you with me? Feelings never 
pull the train and it cannot pull the train. As a matter of fact, in this illustration, it would be, uh, it'd be nonsense to allow the caboose, which has no power, it makes no sense for the caboose to pull the train. And Bill Bright said this, in the same way, we do not allow our feelings or our emotions to lead us, but rather we place our faith in the trustworthiness of God's word. And in Psalm 119, in Psalm 119, it teaches us that we must trust God's word completely. That we must be willing to submit our feelings to the truth. Now look at Psalm 119. Psalm 119, a couple of facts that you may find interesting about this chapter. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses. Uh, my goal this morning is to go word for word <laughs> through this entire chapter this morning, but I, I, I don't think so. But here's some things about Psalm 119 I find interesting. Number one, Psalm 119 was written as a hymn. When the psalmist wrote this, it was not to be read, it was actually to be sung. This is a hymn. It has a call to worship. A call to worship the one who is the author of the word. It then gives the reasons that we are to worship the author, and then it repeats itself. This is one of the oldest hymns that we have. It's a, it's a long hymn. It continues on and on and on, but it, was, but it was written to be sung. Psalm 119, all throughout Christian history, men and women of faith highly prized this psalm. The great reformer Martin Luther said he would rather hold fast to Psalm 119 than all that the world would give him. Several men of faith memorized Psalm 119, all 176 verses. How about this name, William Wilberforce? You know that name? The 19th century British politician who, who led uh, Britain to abolish slavery. And Henry Martin, the 19th century uh, uh, missionary to India, memorized it. David Livingstone, the 19th century pioneer missionary to Africa, they all memorized it. How about this name? Some of you may know this name, Matthew Henry. Anybody know the name Matthew Henry who wrote Matthew Henry's commentary? Matthew Henry was introduced to Psalm 119. Dads, I want you to listen to this. Matthew Henry was introduced to Psalm 119 by his father. Father, Philip. Philip told his children to memorize and to meditate on one verse of Psalm 119 every day of the year and meditate on it so that you would go through Psalm 119 twice throughout the year. That's pretty good advice. I mean, I wonder why Matthew Henry wrote the commentary that becomes so popular. Maybe it's because he learned God's word. George Wishart, who was a 17th um, century bishop of Edinburgh. He was condemned to death for his faith in Jesus Christ. When they put him on the scaffold to, uh, to, uh, to execute him, he was given one, one last wish. And they said, what do you wish? And he said, I wish to sing Psalm 119 before I am executed. And he began to sing. And before he made it two-thirds of the way through, a pardon arrived and he was released from the scaffold. It's pretty good. So the next time you find yourself on a scaffold, you better start singing Psalm 119, right? 
But Psalm 119, the love of God's word. Charles Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon in his book called The Treasury of David, he wrote down eight marks of true love for God's word. I want you to listen to these. It's not on the screen, but I want you to listen to these eight marks of true love for God's word and see if this lines up in your own life. Number one, reverence for the authority of God's word. Number two, admiration for its holiness. Three, jealousy for its honor. Four, respect for all that it says. Five, diligence in the study of it. Six, eager to desire to obey it. Seven, readiness to praise it. And eight, a great desire to share it with others. Well, this morning, along the same lines of Spurgeon, and, and by no way am I comparing myself to Charles Spurgeon, but I want to share with you just four reasons why we should love God's word and what it can do for us this morning. Because I, I, I believe this with all of my heart, that we are living in an era when truth is being ridiculed. Amen? Truth is being thrown to the side for the ever-changing culture of feelings and emotions. And God's word says, I need my people who are called by my name, who are washed by the blood of my son, to stand true and to stand firm in my word. So here are four reasons why we should love God's word. Psalm 119, verse 97. Let's look at this and follow along in your copy of God's word. I'm going to read through verse 100, and we're going to continue on. Verse 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged because I have observed your precepts. I want you to write this down. The first reason why we should love God's word is this. Loving God's word makes me wise. Loving God's word makes me wise. In other words, God's word gives us wisdom. Say that with me. God's word gives us wisdom. When we read God's word, when we study God's word, it makes us wise. Verse 98, your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. I love the Hebrew word for wisdom. It's the word chokmah. I just love saying that word. Let's say it together. Chokmah. No, you got to spit on the person in front of you. Let's say on the count of three. One, two, three. Chokma. I just love that word, right? So if you ever get mad at somebody, just say, chokma. They'll be like, what? I don't know, but I like that word. And the psalmist says, your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. Well, what does that mean for us today? It means this, God's word is wiser than the wisdom of all our enemies. How many of you have ever had an enemy before? Some of you are lying out of your teeth right now. We've all had enemies before. We've had enemies before. We're going to have enemies in the future, and they, and they, try, to, they try to threaten us, or they try to scare us, or they try to intimidate us with, with clever talk and with evil threats. As I was... Um, Reflecting on uh, this message this morning in preparation um, for uh, this morning, I just began to think, I said, okay, God, what, what are the enemies of the church today? 
Now, yes, I understand that our enemy is Satan, amen? People are not our enemy. People are not our enemy. It's, it's Satan who is our enemy. But I thought one of the things that is the enemy of the church is this. It's called wokeness. Anybody awoke this morning? It's wokeness. Being woke is an enemy of the church. Now, how do I define wokeness? Wokeness is being more attuned to the ever-changing culture which stands on shifting sand. That's wokeness. Meaning I'm more interested in your feelings, how you feel about the truth. That's wokeness. And church, I believe this with all of my heart, that wokeness is an enemy of the church. Jesus did not call us to be woke. He called us to be awake. He called us to be awake. And in Psalm 119, it tells us this, that we need to read God's word because his commands make us wiser than all our enemies. So if you and I as a church, if we remain awake instead of awoke, according to scripture, we are wiser than our enemies. And we, be, we, we do not need to be dismayed thinking that wokeness has more wisdom than we have. Listen, church, listen, I don't care what the media says. I don't care what other politicians say. I don't care what people say. Listen, awokeness is not more wise than being awake in God's word. It can't be, because if a wokeness is more wisdom than being awake in God's word, then God's word is lying to us, and we have a bigger problem at our hands. So we need to be awake in God's word, because it gives us wisdom over our enemies. Now look back at verse 98 with me. How does the word give us wisdom? If, if God's word gives us wisdom even more than our enemies, then how does he do it? Well, the psalmist tells us, the last phrase in verse 98 tells us, and it's this, for they, his commandments, are ever mine. The King James Version says this, they are with me. In Hebrew, it means this, that your commandments, God, are give me wisdom, more wisdom than my enemies because they are mine. The Hebrew means this, I have internalized it so that I understand them and they belong to me. I get it, I understand it, I internalize God's word. And because I internalize God's word, it becomes mine. I am more wise than my enemies. And so if we don't have God's word in us, we are going to be swallowed up in the wisdom of this world. And so what the psalmist is saying to us, at some point, folks, at some point, at some point, followers in Jesus Christ have to begin to internalize God's word. At some point, we have to realize that just sitting there, watching TV, uh, looking at the internet, social media, at some point we have to realize that doing those things are keeping us from internalizing God's word. Are you with me? At some point, at some point, believers in Christ, at some point we have to get out of our seats, we have to get, get away from the TV, get away from the computer, get away from the things that distract us and make us more woke. And at some point, we have to get alone with this right here. At some point, you have to do it. Pastor, I wonder why I'm not growing in my faith. Have you been alone with God? 
Pastor, I just don't really know. I'm struggling with, I'm, I'm struggling with these issues. Well, what are you doing about it? Well, I'm, I'm Googling, I'm YouTubing on how to correct these issues. Well, then I wonder why you're struggling. Pastor, no, 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 you just don't understand. You're right. I don't understand why you're not in God's word. Are you with me? King David, King David, when he was praying to build the temple, you remember the story? He's like, God, I want to build you a temple. I want your Ark of the Covenant. I want you to be there. And he goes to build it. And Nathan says to him, yeah, go do whatever you want. And then God comes back to Nathan the prophet and says, go back to David and say, no, 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 no. David, you are not going to build a temple because you have been a man of war. I need somebody who is a man of peace to build my temple. And then here's what David did. He went back home and was mad at God. No. This is what it says. He went home and he sat before the Lord. Do you get it? He sat before the Lord because he knew that wisdom comes only from God and God alone. And so God's word gives us more wisdom than our enemies. Look at verse 99. God's word actually gives us more insight than, and more wisdom than all the teachers. Look at verse 99. Hello. 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 Yes. Are we okay? Okay, I'm echoing. We better? Come on, God, give us wisdom. <laughs> Verse 99. I have more insight than all my teachers. Out beside verse 99, write this. Favorite verse of all college students. Isn't that right? Right? I have more insight than all my teachers. For your testimonies are my meditation. The psalmist is not, he's not putting down teachers. He's just saying this. There is a limit to human knowledge. But there's unlimited insight in God's word. God's word makes you wise, makes you wiser than the enemies, it makes you wiser than teachers. Look at verse 100. If you're over the age of, uh, you know, you might not like this one, I don't know. Look at verse 100. I understand more than the aged. You know what the Hebrew word for aged means? Some of you are going to love this, I promise you. You know what it means? Ancient. Anybody in here Ancient. This is, what, this is what the psalmist says. He says, I understand more than the aged. Meaning this, meaning I, I, I know because I'm in God's word, I know more, I have more understanding than those who are older than me. Now, is the psalmist putting down those who are, who are old or, 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 or older or, or with gray hair or with no hair? Is he putting those people down? No, not at all. Not, as a matter of fact, if you read Scripture, Scripture highly values the elderly. And all of the elderly said what? We do. Scripture highly values the elderly. Listen, we live in a culture that wants to put the elderly down and to separate them and to pull them apart. But Scripture highly elevates the elderly, that we need to respect them, that we need to listen to them, that we need to honor them. But here's what the psalmist said. Even though we respect, we honor, and we hold them with high regard, what the Scripture is saying is this. Just because you're old does not mean that you are spiritually mature. 
Uh-oh. Right? Just because you are old or older does not mean that you are spiritually mature. And the psalmist says, you know how you can have more understanding than those who are aged or ancient? Do you know how? He tells us at the end of verse 100, says, because I've observed your precepts. Meaning this, when you obey God's word, you gain understanding. So for you and I to read God's word and to love God's word, we pour our hearts into it. And when we do that, God says this, I will give you wisdom. I will give you wisdom more than your enemies, more than your teachers, and more than those who are older than you. The psalmist says, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments give me wisdom, more wisdom than my enemies. I have more insight than all the teachers. I have more understanding than all the aged. Look at verse 101. And he says this, I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. 102, I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for you yourself have taught me. Write this down. The second thing, the second reason why we need to love God's word is because of this. Loving God's word gives me or grows my discernment. When you and I read God's word, it grows our discernment. It gives us discernment. And boy, do we need discernment today. Discernment means it's deciding what is right and what is wrong. And the psalmist declares here that the Bible, listen, he declares that the Bible will keep you off the wrong road and keep you on the right road. That's what it says. So you come to me, Pastor, I, I don't know which road to take. Have you read God's word? Because it's going to give you discernment. It's going to show you what's right. It's going to show you what's wrong. And every day you and I were faced with thousands of decisions that we need to make that will keep us on the right road or will keep us on the wrong road. But here's what I know. Here's what I know. The road of obedience is the road that leads to joy. It leads to peace. It leads to fulfillment, and it leads to a deeper knowledge of God. That's the road to obedience. The road of disobedience, or the wrong path, is temptation, is sin, compromise, bitterness, anger, violence, lust, pride, gluttony, division, and sloth. So just think for just a second with me. Those things that I just mentioned, are those characteristics of your, own, of your own life? I mean, those characteristic traits will tell you whether you are in God's word or whether you're not in God's word. Look at verse 100. Are y'all with me this morning? Look at verse 101. When it comes to, when it comes to discernment, there's two things that we need to understand. And, and, and just listen to this because this is so important. Verse number 101 says this, I've restrained my feet. When it comes to discernment, there is self-restraint, right? There is self-restraint, meaning this, I have restrained my feet. As a follower of Christ, you are free in Jesus Christ, amen? If you are free in Christ, here's what that means. You can do whatever you want because you are what? One of you got it over here, because you're free. If you are free, you can do whatever you want because you are free. You can do whatever you want because you're free. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, we say things like this. You know, I could do that, but I choose not to. 
I could do that, but I choose not to. Let me, let me give you a couple examples. Alcohol. I could do that, but I choose not. Affairs. I could, but I choose not. How about this one? Gossip. Ooh, I like to. It's fun. Ooh, it's juicy information. I could, but I choose not to. This past week, this past week, Ethan Floyd, our student pastor, gave a great example in our staff meeting. I asked the staff, I said, just tell us, tell us something that the Lord is teaching you in your quiet time. And several people shared, and then Ethan, Ethan shared, and I don't necessarily remember the context, but I remember what he said. He, he said that, it, it was actually, it was, it was around gossip. Um, he had heard some things within the student ministry, and, and he said, you know, when I, when I began talking about, when I, when, I, when I hear other people talk about it, he said, as a follower, I, I have a choice. I can continue talking about that person, and when I gossip, I'm actually putting them down, or I can choose to talk about them as who they are in Christ Jesus. It's pretty good right there. I can either put them down for what they've done, and we've all made mistakes, but he said, but, then he said, but, but I'd rather choose to talk about them according to who they are in Christ Jesus which means you're my brother and my sister in Christ, which means you're whole, you're pure, you're right, and you're good. And so the psalmist says in verse 101, when it comes to discernment, I have self-restraint, I have restrained my feet. The second thing we see there, that there is submission. Look at verse 102. I have not turned aside from your ordinances, which means this, God, I choose to follow your way. I read your word, I know your word, I am going to do it your way. I think verse 102 answers a critical question. The critical question is this, how does God speak to us today? I get that question a lot, how does God speak to us today? Many people want to find a, a, or hear God speak in a dream, a vision, or maybe in some unusual way, but the psalmist says this, in verse 102, I have not turned aside from your ordinances, why? For you yourself have taught me. What is the psalmist talking about? He's talking about God's word. If you want to know how God is, speaks, or if you want to know if God's speaking to you, you read God's word. You spend time in God's word. Well, pastor, I, I, I don't know. I, I really haven't heard God speak. Have you read his word? Pastor, I really don't know what he's saying. Okay, have you read his word? If you want to hear God speak to any situation in your life, you have to get into God's word. Folks, he's already spoken. He's already spoken. He's not going to write the answer in the sky, but oh, how I wish he would. But he doesn't do it that way. He doesn't do it the way. He's already spoken. He's already written his words down. And we believe that these words are true, that they are pure, and that they are holy, and that they cannot change. Because these words are inspired by God himself through the pen of human authors. But God spoke. And this brings us life. 
and it brings us health, spiritual health. And so the psalmist says, love God's word. It makes me wise. It makes me grow in my discernment. Two more things. And number two, I want you, number three, I want you to write this down. Loving God's word fills me with joy. Loving God's word fills me with joy. I love this one. Verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Boy, I like that one, don't you? Your words are sweet to my taste. It's like honey on my mouth, honey on my lips. When the psalmist wrote this, honey was a universal sweetener. And so the psalmist is talking about he has a sweet tooth for God's word. I don't know about you, but I have a sweet tooth for Krispy Kreme donuts. I don't know about you. I like Krispy Kreme donuts. But the psalmist says, you know, I have a sweet tooth for God's word. I love God's word. And what I think is so great, in verse 103, he says, how sweet are your words. They are plural. He has a love for all of God's word. He's not taking parts out and saying, I like this one, I don't like this one. No, he says, I love all of them. Old Testament, New Testament. Of course, when he wrote that, it's just the Old Testament. But for you and I, it's, I love the Old Testament. I love the New Testament. I want to know because your words are sweet to my taste. It's like honey on my mouth. So when you read God's word, it makes us full of joy. I was trying to think of an illustration uh, to, to illustrate verse 103. And this is what I thought of. I thought of a piece of hard candy, like a Jolly Rancher. Watermelon flavor, cherry flavor, grape, nope. Blue raspberry, uh-uh. Apple, eh. Cherry or watermelon. You, are you with me? You take that hard piece of candy and you put it in your mouth. The thing's hard. And so you don't chomp down on it because it's really, really hard. What do you do with that hard piece of candy? You put it in your mouth and you what? Oh, are you with me? By the way, one of my pet peeves is people smacking like I'm just doing right now. I hate that. Isn't that right? I will give you a glare if you smack around me. I'm just telling you. But that hard piece of candy, just think about that. That hard piece of candy, you put it in your mouth and you just enjoy it. You just enjoy it. And that flavor pops. It's so good. How sweet are your words to my mouth like honey on my lips. It is so good. Now imagine you take that, that, that same hard piece of candy. Imagine if you put 20 of them in your mouth. One, that's disgusting. But you would not be able to enjoy the total taste of it. You just need that one. Martin Luther said this when he studies scripture. He said this, I love to take God's word. I love to take God's word and I just like to shake it. I've been looking for that. He loves to shake. He said, I love to shake God's word and I allow the fruit to fall on my lap. What a great picture that you just, you just meditate on God's word. The psalmist said in verse 97, he said, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all the day. I dwell upon it. In all situations, I think about it. I, I 
roll it over my mind and my mouth and my heart. Oh, Lord, I love your law. I meditate on it. Why? Because your commandments give me more wisdom than my enemies. Because your commandments are mine. It gives me more insight than my teachers. Because, because your testimonies are my meditation. It gives me more understanding than all the ages. Because I've observed your, uh, your precepts. And I've restrained my feet from evil. Because I want to keep your word. And I haven't turned aside from your, from your precepts. Because, because you yourself have taught me. Oh God, how sweet is your word to me. How sweet to the taste. It's like honey on my lips. And I don't don't know if you've ever experienced that or not. But God's word gives you great joy. It gives you great joy. Loving God's word gives you wisdom, gives you discernment. It gives you great joy. And then here's the last thing that it says. I want you to write this down. Loving God's word teaches me to hate evil. Look at verse 104. From your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was the psalmist, I would have stopped after the end of verse 103. I like the good part, the sweet part. I like that. But the psalmist goes on and says, yes, but know this, that God, from your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. I hate evil. And what's the psalmist's point? The psalmist's point is this. There's much, much more to the Christian life than just the sweetness. There's also an edge to our faith. Meaning this. There are right things to do and there are wrong things to do. There are things that you are not to do as a believer in Jesus Christ. There are some things that God says you don't go there. God says you are a You are a royal priesthood. You live like you belong to me. And you say no to evil. I said earlier that one of the enemies of the the church today is wokeness. And we see that in the church because the church has become a little bit silent on the things that are evil in this world. And church, this is not a time for us to go silent towards the evils of this world. It's time for us to stand firm in God's word. That we would hate every false way. Does that mean we hate the people? No, we just hate what they do. Because we know who who owns them. God's word says, "When when you read my word, when you love my word, you will hate every false way. You will hate it. Well, scripture says we need to love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates. And those are our marching orders. And it begins when we know God's word. Let me, let me close with this. Yesterday, my wife and I went to Bucky's. You ask why. My response is, why not? I mean, who doesn't want to go to Bucky's? You want a Coke? Go. You want coffee? Go. You want candy? Go. You want breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Go. If you want to buy some patio furniture, there you go. Home decor, you got it. You want a, a onesie with Bucky's on it? You got it as well. I saw this yesterday. If you want pickled eggs, there you go. If you want pickled quail eggs, they've got more than enough for you. 
I mean, who wouldn't want to go to Bucky's? As I'm standing there in Bucky's, as it seemed like everybody in the world was there when we were there. But this is what I thought about as I was reflecting on this message, loving God's word. Is that when you go to Bucky's, you love going to Bucky's because you have been there and you know what's available. But if you've never been to Bucky's, you don't know what you're missing. You get the point? When you have spent time in God's word, you love being there. But if you've never been in God's word, you don't know what you're missing. This is the way, this is the truth, and this is the life. Church, love God's word. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. Over the past several weeks, I have been reading through uh, the Psalms, and I've been reading a chapter a day. And uh, this morning, uh, today's the 18th, and so I read Psalm chapter 18 this morning. And I just spend time reading God's word. And so I want to challenge you because many of you may ask, okay, Pastor, I love it. I want to be in God's word. I just don't know where to go. I don't know where to do. I don't know where to start. I invite you to join me reading through the Psalms. Start today, read Psalm 18. Tomorrow will be the 19th, read Psalm. Yeah, pretty good. When it's the 20th, read Psalm 20. What about next month? Keep going. Read a chapter a day. But I challenge you, just 15 minutes. 15 minutes earlier in the morning or stop watching TV for 15 minutes and go, just go read a chapter. Read Psalm 18 today. Read Psalm 19 tomorrow. And let's be a people of the word. Because that's what's going to make us stand out. When we love God's word, here's what's going to happen. We're going to love God. And we're going to love others. Amen? Read God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Father, the psalmist said, oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the days of my life. Father, give us a love for your word. May we be a people of your word. And may we commit to spending time in your word. Give us the discipline. Give us the desire. And give us the strength to pour into your word, knowing that your word is true, knowing that your word will see us through, knowing that your word will give us wisdom, give us discernment, give us joy, and will teach us to hate all that is evil and to love that which is good. Oh God, bring that in this place, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.